Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Pernilla Hughes, author of the novel 10 Years. Author C.J. Major wrote about the novel, such a warm, lovely read with two characters you're desperately rooting for. Pernilla, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, 10 Years, how would you describe the novel? Oh, so I would describe it as a funny, uh, slow burn, haters to lovers romance, which spans 10 years and roams from London to Snowdonia, from Brighton to Cannes, as Charlie and Becca, they try to um, complete a loved one's bucket list in spite of the fact that they hate each other. (laughs) Do you remember the original idea or impetus for 10 years? This was a bit of a collaboration, actually, between uh, my editor and myself. We were having a lunch to celebrate uh, the publication of my second book, which is called uh, Probably the Best Kiss in the World. And part of that story um, looked at uh, the price of love and that, you know, all love, love comes at a cost. And that notion was, was still sitting with me like a hangover from that book. And she was looking for um, something that spanned lots of years. So we were kind of putting things together that we wanted to see. And uh, so then we were thinking about this a couple. I was looking, I, 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 I write through dialogue in my head. And so um, banter and bickering really uh, lends itself that way. And also to the enemies to, to lovers trope. And um, so I was keen to like maybe hold on to that for uh, a for this book. And so it was really things coming together. And then we were thinking, you know, are they going to, they need to come together once a year to uh, honor this friend's request. Um, but we didn't know what the request was at that point. I think we were talking about maybe it was just to check on her mum. And actually, as I sat on the train on the way home, I was thinking that is just, we can't just have them having dinner once a year because that would just be very yawny, very quick. And so actually that's when it kind of dawned on me, well, actually a bucket list then allows for different scenarios. It allows for comedy, which because this is essentially, it's, you know, largely a book about grief and the ways that different people handle that. um, To, you you need to add, well, you need to find a point where the funny can come in in order to have that juxtaposition of light and shade. And so the, the bucket list really became the engine for the book. Interesting. Well, I wondered if you could tell us what about your original writing journey that led you to writing your first novel and getting it published? Sure. Well, I worked for um, a children a company who made children's television programs. They made Teletubbies, for example. And you know, <laughs> I had been around creative people, uh, and then I left work because I was having twins, and they were my third and fourth children, and. I just couldn't afford childcare, so I was off work um, looking after four little kids, and um, I just felt my brain shrinking. And I had always thought that when I was working at, at Ragdoll, I thought, well, maybe I do have a children's book in me. So I did a um, correspondence course on uh, writing for children, writing novelty books or pitch books, and um, really it was just to keep my brain going to because little children, little babies, their conversational skills are poor. And uh, so I just needed something for me. And so I, I did that. And during the process of that, I had two novelty books, you know, touchy-feely books. They were um, 
optioned, which was terribly exciting because it was kind of a validation there. And then the recession happened and um, they the company changed their direction because touchy-feely books are very, very expensive to make. And so I then thought, well, I'll try, I'll try writing picture books. And I did that and I got some lovely rejections and because I started sending them out um, just because I wanted to try. And then uh, I try, I think because as the way my eldest daughter then got older, I started writing the her age group. So then it went to middle grade and then slightly older teen stories. And uh, then I wrote, and each time I should think, can I write something longer? Can I um, make something bigger? And it was really, again, could I, could I do it? And yes, I could. And I wrote a YA novel and each time I sent them out, the, uh, they were rejected, but they were getting rejections that were very detailed, actually. So I was really, it wasn't, they weren't stock rejections. So I was really quite heartened by that. I just thought, I just haven't written the right thing yet. <laughs> and then on, um, I saw on Twitter a, um, a, a call for a competition for an anthology of women's fiction stories. Uh, and, oh, no, before that, before that, there, we have a, a newspaper over here called the Sunday Times and they had a, a travel section. And in this travel section were these little um, 650 word short stories based on travel and little clinches that people had got into, usually of a romantic nature. And I looked at those and I deconstructed them so I could do, I think I could write one of those. Well, I wrote it and I sent it in and um, they bought it. And I wrote 36 of those over the following two years. So it oh, was wow. really, yeah. And, and that was really quite interesting because 650 words is not a lot. And so you really couldn't be precious about gutting your your story down. And also when it went to print, I had one story where they they chopped it from 650 words down to 300 words and there was barely anything left of it. So, and again, <laughs> you learn from that, that and the editing, it has a purpose. So that was useful. And that's when I was doing those, then I saw this, this competition call and um, 5,000 word stories set in a holiday destination. Um, and they were, they were, giving three slots to unpublished authors because the rest of the anthology were very well-known um, uh, women's fiction writers. And I came runner-up. And at that point, A, I thought, oh, this is where my writing voice lay, w lies, which was incredibly slow of me. Uh, quicker routes are available. And um, also I thought, well, okay, now I'm published. I have to, I have, you know, my, my writing CV is really has something on it now and um, I need to write something full length, which was then why I launched uh, to write my uh, debut book, which was called Sweatpants at Tiffany's. I wanted to ask you um, about your writing process for your novel, 10 years. Are you someone who, who, is an extensive outliner or plotter, or do you just have this idea, as you said, kind of friends who, uh, or I mean, enemies who turns into lovers and, and you kind of dive into the narrative. Does it work for you the same or has it worked for you the same book to book or does it change for you? Uh, I think it changes book to book, but what is quite clear is that I would love to be a planner, but I am more of a pantser. I think being a planner must be more efficient and um, that is something that I would value, but I just can't do it and it kills me. 
Uh, what I do <laughs> instead is try to plan, uh, get in a mess, then think, oh, I'm wasting too much time planning. <laughs> uh, just launch, launch now. And then I go for it. And then I, within 10,000 words, I'm flailing because I haven't got anything. So I think sometimes it is very painful, uh, but I don't really have have a way around it rather than just through. Um, so with 10 years, what happened was there ha- there was not necessarily uh, an outline as such, but there was a structure to it. So the nature of the book is that we alternate point of view between Charlie and Becca every year. And within that year, we have two chapters, one which is kind of an update on what's happened in the last year and what they're doing at the moment. And then the second chapter is the that year's task. Um, so I could tell, so, so the, the, the book had a kind of a structure to it, which meant I could kind of make a grid as such. And then, um, I also had to be mindful of the fact that they needed to fall in love. And that's not obviously a spoiler because it's a romance, um, over the span of the, of the book from a point where they can barely tolerate each other to the point where this is it for them. And so really I did have another chart where I was every year plotting, this is how he feels about her, that's how she feels about him, this is how they work together. And <laughs> so that I had kind of reference points. But in terms of actually, I would, I, I don't think I could really plan out scene for scene because for me, I need to have an element of surprise in there as well. I think if I was, uh, and I've seen some beautiful plans that other people have done where they have got this chapter and, and then then a good full paragraph of exactly what happens in that. And I I, I just don't think I could do that. I knew that in set the what, 2016, they're going to have a trip on a gin bus. Um, and that would pretty much be it, really. And then maybe I'd have a detail for the 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 update in 2016 that this is a Becca chapter um, or it was a Charlie chapter. And these things have happened to him in the last year that I just need to mention. But it's it was also very much about just peppering details of what's happened to them in the last year because if I was going over the whole of the year that would also be very boring as well so it was really about what do people need to know that I can you know kind of uh, impart and how can I impart that in a humorous way and then equally the task uh, what notions of of what has to come what has to come across and is this a a, a deep um, chapter that needs some levity or is it just a a funny chapter that sometimes needs some depth in it and it was sometimes about balancing that throughout each each um year really or each segment within that year what is it about romantic comedy that appeals to you as a writer and as a reader why would you not want a happy ending why would you not like (laughs) character to be happy i don't understand it (laughs) I um, and books with ambiguous endings, or they die, or they just they lose each other. Like they make me sad. <laughs> just <laughs> no. I I am absolutely uh, geared up for books about love and laughter, which I believe go hand in hand. And so that's what I write. I think um, I think there's enough sad going on in this world. So from, oh, absolutely. I just want to be in a happy place and impart happy things. And I'm sure people think that's incredibly naive, but I think there's enough going on outside to um, say, you know, to, to satisfy that kind of appetite. So, no, I think for me, I grew up 
you know, when I was a teen, I used to watch all those screwball comedies, uh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Doris Day or Catherine Hepburn or Audrey Hepburn, and they were just, oh, lovely. I, I loved that. And so really, I think when it came to me writing and really when my words started flying were when I was having these characters where, yes, they had conflict, but um, the conflict was resolved in some way and they could be happy at the end or at least they were laughing along the way. And for me, that's really where my joy lies when it comes to writing. I, I, I've tried a couple of times to write things straight and it just doesn't work for me. I start writing, I just can't help the funny coming through <laughs> and it becomes wildly inappropriate. So it's just, no, I just, that's, I think I just accept that that is my lot, that this, these, this is the kind of thing I write. And I, if I can make people smile or laugh or just be a little bit happy, then my job is done. And I've had people write to me or just tell me that, you know, they've read my books at, at very difficult times in their lives, um, maybe in, in light of a, a loved one um, being very ill or sure. uh, other cases. And it has just brought a little haven of happiness to them. And at that point, I just think my job is done. You know, really, that's that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to particularly educate. I'm not here to... Um, cast a light on awful things that are happening in the world. Other people do that. But for me, it's really if I can just make people smile and be happy for a moment, then that's me. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I I think you have a great point. I mean, I think that there's um, a lot of people who are angry and a lot of people who are unhappy out there these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. What writing advice, I mean, because you talked about, you know, your your own journey of starting with, you know, these uh, touchy-feely books and then picture books and then, you know, eventually moving into uh, what really, you know, sings for you uh, in terms of writing, which is romantic comedies. What writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels or trying to find their own voice on the page? Oh, I would say definitely read widely and also try writing different different um, genres because sometimes, I mean, I honestly thought I was going to be a children's book writer and that turned out not to be the case. So try different things. Don't be afraid to try different things um, because none of it's wasted. Uh, you, There's things that I might have thought about back in my middle grade books that can appear later. So all of that, I think, is good um, learning material and craft building because you know you have to learn your craft. And I'm not even remotely learned it yet, but I'm. I it's been a. I have a 
a path that I can look back on and see what I learned in different areas. And I can clearly see that, you know, different 12 points I learned at different points in that journey. I would also, my, my tip I, I, I generally suggest to people is that they lock themselves in a room with a pad of paper and a pen and a glass of wine. And then they write down every single one of their flaws, their personal flaws, and to be merciless. And uh, no one else is going to see this list. So just honest, true honesty. And then after that grueling task, drink the glass of wine. Because at the end of that exercise, you will have a list of flaws that you can write about in a true and honest way because you know them and you know how they've come about and how they play out. And I think for me, that is about, uh, that's how you write what you know. Um, that's always quite a, when people say, oh, write what you know. And I think, well, and then I'd be writing about, I don't know, middle-class uh, suburban housewife. Um, nobody wants to read that. So, um, but if I want to write about being an astronaut, should I not write that because I don't know it? But no, it's about writing the emotions that are relatable across humans. And I think that's the flaws that um, do actually bond us. The qualities, of course, and also, but flaws are the ones we don't always want to look at. And I think with my characters in 10 years, it was really important for me to have Charlie and Becca be flawed individuals, quite spiky, uh, Becca, definitely, um, but also to then show how they got there and why they are as they are. And that then just plays out during the story. And it adds more depth to your words, but also to your plot. And it really makes this lovely uh, underlying web of uh, meaning and depth if you are a, having characters who are realistic because they are flawed, but also you know how to write them because they're yours. That's great advice. I've, I, I don't think I've ever heard someone articulate it in quite that way in terms well, of- drink wine. Identif- it helps your writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, in terms of, in terms of identif- identifying your flaws, which I think is very true because I think that that's a um, universal human experience, uh, even though some people don't want to look at their flaws. No, it's- Exactly that. And I also see it in reviews as well, where people saying this person, this character was awful. And because of this, this, and this, and then you're thinking, yeah, but actually, if you really think about it, how many of those flaws might you actually recognize in yourself, but you don't want to? And so I think there's, there's elements of that. And anyone who says like, well, I don't have that material, then you aren't looking hard enough because we all have that material. And the thing is free material, isn't it? It's within us. And I think it was, um, I had an interview with uh, Marie Sample once, um, and uh, she was saying, you know, the de- the deeper you dig within yourself and put that on the page, the better the book will be. And that is absolutely true. And I think that's probably what my my tip there feeds into um, is that you have all this material in you if you are just willing to uh, recognize it and set it free and plow and um, mine it mine it that's what i'm thinking of yeah yeah sure well are you working on another novel now i'm on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment just uh because uh just three family things going on mm-hmm. i have three children about to start university at the end of this month so we are kind of <laughs> packing up but then i will be starting again um and i have a, a very tentative idea that i'm about to work on and i'm wondering whether i'm brave enough to risk nanorimo. Uh, with something that's still so fragile, but um, so yes, hopefully there will be more books to come. But I'm it's too it's too tentative at this point really to talk about it. But it will be sure, sure. 
happy and there will be laughter <laughs> in it and there will not be an ambiguous ending. So that I can promise you those things. <laughs> what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, so uh, I had this kind of a triple blast of reading, um, what was it? It was oh, Bonnie Garmus' uh, Lessons in Chemistry, and then immediately onto Emily Henry's Happy Place, and then onto Ali Hazelwood's, um, oh, which one? It was Love Theoretically, which if you are a rom-com reader, those those um Books will have meaning for you, but uh, they, that was just three amazing books in a row, which kind of almost left me with a, a, a huge uh, book hangover because they were just brilliant. And I, I, I don't know, sometimes I, I will read a book and I think I could never have written that. I should, <laughs> I should just pack up and go home. Um, and sometimes, I mean, Emily Henry's Happy Place, for example, the idea was so simple. And I thought, why couldn't I think of that idea? It's, you know, <laughs> so purely simple, but, you know, brilliant in it. Um, not to say it was, it was an easy thought, but it was, it was brilliant in its pure purity and thinking, why can't I think of ideas like that? So it's really that, really. That so there are books which are just not my socks off, but then at the same time make me want to kind of curl up and stop because my imposter syndrome is very real and my inner critic uh, is mean. Um, so you know those those. But it won't stop me reading. It won't stop me reading because I think books are for well they are a must for anyone who wants to write, of course. Uh, but they are also my passion and my joy. It's they are my hobby, really. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yes, I will. But those those were good books that I just read. Wonderful. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels and your latest novel, Ten Years? Oh well, the first place to start would be my website, which is www.panillahughes.com, uh, and then I am on Instagram uh, at, uh, at Panilla Hughes. I'm well. I should. Twitter. I just don't know whether that's still going by the time this goes out or whether it's where what's I don't know what's happening there, but I am there. And also on um Facebook. And then I'm also trying out all the other social medias to see which one which one sticks because who knows? Who knows? What are you exactly. thinking at the moment? <laughs> what, what, where are you? Oh, I don't know. Probably Instagram. And I know that lots of people uh look at uh TikTok, but I haven't Falling oh, down the TikTok I, hole yet? No, I have. I have a profile on TikTok, and I've posted a yeah. few times. But I am an old person. I just, I don't think it's meant for me. I really, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and and I find the the idea of having to come up with lots of little creative scenarios to then make the films of, and and I don't have the technical ability to physically make the little recordings or edit them in any way. It just feels this creative time should actually probably meant to be used on the writing. I, I, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way about TikTok. I, I look at videos and even videos that people my own age are making. And I'm like, I guess I just don't have a video kind of frame of mind because no. I just don't have the ideas to come up with them or the technical. <laughs> exactly that. I mean, I, I don't know what buttons to press. I did have a tutorial from a 16-year-old. Uh, <laughs> just make, make me show me what I'm supposed to do. But I just can't get excited for it because it doesn't yeah. come in any way naturally and uh i think that is just when you're it's like with memes i i look at them and i think i i think they're funny but i don't have the brain to make them does that right. make sense um, no no i hear you and, and maybe that's a generational thing but I just, maybe so maybe so yeah well again we've been speaking to pernilla hughes author of the new novel 10 years the book is available now so go buy a copy 
And Pernilla, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, an absolute joy. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. 